Well, go ahead and open up to Matthew chapter 4. Matthew chapter 4. We are going to be in verses 18 through 25 today, although I need to be honest, we're not going to deal with the passage a whole lot. I know, that sounds awful, doesn't it? We're going to stick to one phrase in the passage and really look at that. I'm, I'm going to cover the whole thing quickly, but I really want to look at this one phrase. And as you're turning to Matthew chapter 4, I want to start with a story. And I really kind of wrestled over whether or not to tell this story. Because it makes me look really bad. And I don't really mean that in a funny way, but in a, oh, you're going to think less of me sort of way. Maybe that's not possible. (laughs) Okay. So... During my college years, I worked at a Christian camp in Wisconsin, and the first time that I went up to that camp, I was a freshman or just finished my freshman year. Actually, I think I was partway through my freshman year. That's a long story. And uh, went up to the camp. It was a couple days before camp officially began. We were going through training, getting to know the other staff, just a real time of fellowship and building friends and trying to impress people, you know, you wanted to look cool, you wanted to fit in. And one night we all decided to go somewhere away from camp. I don't know where we went, if it was a movie or out to eat or whatever, but we went somewhere. Now this is rural Wisconsin, Uh, and I had never been there. So I didn't know my way around, you know, nothing was close. Everything was 30, 40 minutes away. And we all got in kind of a caravan of cars. And a guy named Pete, who lived in the area and worked at camp, said, follow me. You, you all just follow me and we'll get to wherever it was we were going. Uh, and so we all got in a long line and we followed Pete. And he took all these backcountry roads. And I remember driving along just thinking, this is taking forever. Why are we going this roundabout way? Why don't we just hop on the highway and get there quick? So we pulled up to wherever we were going. And I get out and I, I remember talking to some people around me and saying, I would have taken the highway. We would have been here much faster. I just think we should have taken the highway. And I look over, and there's Pete looking at me. And he heard every word. And at that moment, I felt like a big loser. And I just thought, and it hit me. The stupidity of that moment hit me right in that moment. Who was I to tell this guy who had lived here his whole life the fastest way to get anywhere, and even if I was right, who cares? All I had to do was to follow him and to trust that this guy that lived there knew where he was going. And today, that's where we're going to spend the bulk of our time. In Matthew chapter 4, we're going to spend the bulk of it in verse 19, where Peter tells his first disciples a phrase that he says over and over again when he calls his disciples, follow me. That's the bulk of the sermon today is those two words, follow me. Because I think among Christians today, we are really neglecting those two words. And so we're going to look at that. We'll look quickly at the rest of the passage, verses 18 through 25, but we're going to spend the most of the time in verse 19 and what it means to follow Jesus. So let's start by by a quick overview of the passage, which is about Jesus' first disciples, the calling of those first disciples, and his very early ministry. And all of this is going to set up what we'll be in over the next couple of weeks with the, uh, the Sermon on the Mount. I'm really excited to look at the Sermon on the Mount. 
So let's look at the first disciples in the early ministry. Let me read for us verses 18 through 22. As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They were in a boat with his father Zebedee, preparing their nets. Jesus called them, and immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. So we have two sets here. We have Simon Peter, and then we have Andrew that are both called. They're fishermen, and they leave their nets, and they go with Jesus. And then we come upon James and John, who are brothers, the sons of Zebedee, also fishing. Jesus says, come, they leave their nets, and they follow Jesus. And notice what Matthew points out about all four of these men. They left what they were doing. It even says they left their nets and their father and followed him. Now, you have to understand in that culture, this is not just like, oh, okay, I'll go do this now. This is, I'm leaving behind my future. I'm leaving behind my livelihood. I'm leaving behind my security. I'm even to some extent leaving behind my family. I am now going to follow Jesus. This was not just a, hey, it looks like fun. They're following Jesus. They knew what he was calling them to. They understood a rabbi and a disciple and a rabbi saying, come on, follow me. This was not, let's go hang out and see what happens. This was, you're going to learn from me. You're going to listen to me. You're going to go where I go. You're going to act like how I act. You're going to teach eventually what I teach. You're going to be my disciples. Now look at verses 23 through 25. We, we go from this little picture of Jesus and these four men, and now we look at Jesus and a crowd. Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness among the people. News about him spread all over Syria, and people brought to him all who were ill with various diseases, those suffering severe pain, the demon-possessed those having seizures and the paralyzed. And he healed them, large crowds from Galilee, the Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and the region across the Jordan followed him. Now do you see the tie-in? Disciples did what? They followed Jesus. What did the crowds do? They followed Jesus. Exactly the same, right? The disciples and the crowds are exactly the same. No. And this is a theme that Matthew will develop, and I think really all the gospel writers develop. There is following as the disciples followed. It is a following based on faith and commitment. And then there is a following as the crowds did. And it's a following based on convenience, experience, and to some degree even entertainment. Will you give me what I want? And as long as you give me what I want, Jesus, I will follow you. This is amazing. This is so much more fun than the chores I have to do back home. But when things get tough, the crowds split. The disciples follow Jesus because of Jesus. The crowds follow Jesus because of themselves. And, and I just want to pause before we look at this concept of follow me. We need to ask ourselves, what about us? Are we more like the crowds or are we more like the disciples? 
Now, a good thing about the disciples, and we'll see this throughout Matthew, they didn't always follow perfectly, right? They struggled too. They stumbled as well. They even at times walked away, but they came back. So there's grace along the way of following Jesus. But I think, especially as modern Christians, we need to ask ourselves, are we following Jesus for a personal experience? And are we going to walk away when we're not getting it? Are we truly trusting and following Jesus? So let's look at this concept of following Jesus. Let's go back to verse 19 and look at what it truly means to follow Jesus. Now, on the surface of it, totally simple, right? Come, follow me. Good, got it, I read it, I'm moving on, I want to get on to the good stuff. But we need to pause here. I think especially today, where it's easy to show up on Sunday morning, well, (laughs) this time of, (laughs) of history, it's not so easy just to show up on Sunday mornings. So God bless you for being here. But, but it's easier to just show up on Sunday mornings and then we go home and the Christianity gets put back on the shelf. We go about our day-to-day life. And then Sunday morning comes and, oh, I'm all about Jesus and I'm praising God. And then we go home, Christianity gets put on the shelf and we do our thing. Is that truly following Jesus? So I want to start by looking at who are we following, right? Because there's two words here, follow me. Well, who's the me? Duh, Dave, it's Jesus. Okay, good. But who has Matthew told us that Jesus is up to this point? Because he set up this moment. Who is it they are following and who is it we are called to follow? Matthew chapter 1, verse 18, Jesus is the Messiah. The long-awaited coming deliverer of the Jewish people. The one that would come and set things right. That's who's calling them to follow. Matthew 1, 21, Jesus saves. He is our Savior. So the Savior is calling them and calling us to follow. Matthew chapter 1, verse 23, Emmanuel, God with us. That blows me away. Jesus is God with us, right? We know that. We talk about it at Christmas all the time. God here is walking by the sea, looks at a bunch of fishermen and says, come with me. He is literally saying, I am God and I want you with me. And Jesus is saying that to us. Come follow me. The me there is Emmanuel, God with us. Matthew 3, verse 17, after his baptism, he is declared to be God's son. He's revealed in Matthew, this is, I mean, it's the very voice from heaven saying, this is my son. God's son is calling these disciples to come with him. In Matthew 4, we looked at during the trials and the temptations of Jesus, that Matthew kind of sets out this theme that Jesus is a new Adam. Jesus is a new Israel. Jesus is what the people of God were always supposed to be. He is the very epitome and the picture of what it means to be a follower of God. And so by following Jesus, We are being who we were created to be. Matthew chapter 4, he's also revealed as the hope of the world. We see here at the end of our passage today, at the end of the chapter, verses 23 through 25, he is a healer, a miracle worker. He is the hope of the world. 
He is the great teacher and the proclaimer and the bringer of the kingdom of heaven. That's who's calling them to follow. It's not just a good guy with some good ideas that maybe if you listen to him, your life will get a little bit better. This is Jesus saying, come, follow me. Matthew's point throughout the rest of Matthew is to tell us who this guy is. Who is this one that's saying, come, follow me? And if we skip ahead all the way to chapter 28, verses 18 through 20, a passage we will look at probably almost every sermon uh, throughout this series. And Jesus came to them and said, this is after he has risen from the dead, he's about to ascend back to heaven. And he came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Matthew ends his gospel by telling us that the one who called the disciples is calling them to call others to follow Jesus. Followers of Jesus call others to follow Jesus. And he's revealed there in this calling as the one who has all authority and the one who sends us to call other people. That's who's there along the sea that day. Now, did they understand all that? No. Not all of it. I don't even know, you know, if we fast forward months, a couple years, I don't know if they got all of it then. I'm not even sure after his resurrection if they totally understood it. In fact, I'm pretty sure they didn't. I don't think I understand all of that. But we have to come to Scripture and say, this is Jesus, and he's calling us to follow. This is the one who's calling us. He is our King, our Savior, He is God with us. He is the true way of God's people, the one who gives hope and healing, the one who suffered and died for us, the one who conquered death and reigns forever, and the one who promises to be with us always as we follow him. Jesus is not just some friend. Jesus is not just some intellectual subject that we should study and learn about. Jesus is not just a helpful addition to our lives. Jesus is God incarnate, our Savior, our King. And the only appropriate response to truly knowing who Jesus is, is to truly follow Jesus. I was really dumb for questioning the way my friend took. As if I knew better than him. But how often do we do that in our own lives? Jesus says, come and follow. And we go, yeah, that's great, Jesus. I've already got that all figured out. I'm just going to do this and this and this and this, and it'll all work out. And Jesus says, no, no. The whole point is for you to be with me. Christian life isn't just about getting from A to B in the best possible way. It's about following Jesus. So what does it mean to follow? I want you to think, for a second and imagine being in a car accident and you're lying there and you're hurt you know it's not you're not going to die but you're in pain maybe some broken bones you know you're bleeding a little bit and the amb- I know it sounds pretty morbid but the ambulance pulls up and the paramedic uh, paramedic hops out and they come over to you and say 
We're going to help you up. Uh, we're going to patch you up and we're going to get you in the ambulance. We're going to take you to the hospital. You'll be fine. And you look at the paramedic and you say, you are so amazing. I know deep down you can help me. I know it. I know that you can mend bone and stitch skin. I know that you can stop my pain and heal my body. I know it. I know you can help me. And I am so grateful for you that you have shown up now. And you know what? After this moment, I'm going to get together with people regularly. And I'm going to tell them how awesome you are. And I'm just going to talk about how great the paramedics are. At least once a week, we're going to do that. It's going to be phenomenal. And the paramedic looks at you and says... Okay. We need to get you into the ambulance now and take you to the hospital. You go, oh, no. No, I can't do that. I'm, I'm really busy right now. I just don't have time for that. But, but I appreciate you, and I know how great you are. Do you see how knowing Jesus even believing in Jesus, maybe even accepting Jesus. And we talk about all those things and they're important, absolutely crucial. But Jesus takes it a step further and he says, follow me, follow. Because if we sit there on the pavement and don't allow the paramedic to pick us up, put us into the ambulance to actually change us, we're not getting better at all. We have to go with the paramedic. For Jesus to change us, to shape us. We have to go with Jesus. We need to follow him and be where he is. If we truly accept Jesus and the gift that is salvation, we must also follow Jesus. If we believe in Jesus and the truth of the gospel, which is so crucial, we must also follow Jesus. Just like lying there on the pavement after the accident, if we don't truly follow Jesus, we haven't actually believed in him or accepted him at all. So what does it mean to follow Jesus? Well, again, Matthew's already set this up. If we turn back just one verse to chapter 4, verse 17, we have the beginning of Jesus' preaching. And it's very simple, shortest sermon ever. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. And we talked about that last week. What does repentance mean? And we said repentance is a turning around. It's going a different way. We're going our way, the way of the world. And repentance is, nope, I'm not going that way. I'm doing a 180 and I'm going a different way. And of course, in Jesus' teaching, it's going the way of Jesus. It's more than just turning from bad things. You know, people say, well, I know there are things in my life, a, a habit I need to stop. I, I know there's words that I'm using I shouldn't. I know there's certain actions and activities I shouldn't do. Those are wrong. Those are sinful. I'm not going to do those anymore. And that's good, but we need to go even deeper than that. Repentance is turning away from our way of life, our idea of normal our wants and our desires. I want to go this way. I want to live this way. I want to live free of care. I want to do whatever it is I want to do and nobody has the right to tell me otherwise. And repentance is, I'm going to give up what I want 
Because I want Jesus more. Matthew chapter 16, verse 24 really sums this up. Jesus said to his disciples, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. I think this idea has been so overlooked among us as Christians today. So many Christians are buying into a false gospel that says, follow Jesus and you will get everything you want. It's like Jesus is just waiting there as a genie to say, poof, there's your desire, poof, there's your wish, I'll give you whatever you want. That's not what Jesus said. Jesus said, lay down what you want because it's worthless and it's garbage and I have something so much better for you. And you know, it's easy to point at other churches, those other churches that aren't preaching the gospel, those other churches that preach happiness and wealth if you just follow Jesus. And and that's hard, and I want to warn you against that. If you are reading books, listening to people on the radio, or going to other churches, and that's what they're preaching, walk away. That is not the gospel of Jesus Christ. However, it makes it really easy to sit in a place where hopefully you're hearing the gospel regularly and say, oh, we don't struggle with that. We all struggle with that. We need to hear, I need to follow. I need to take up my cross. We need to ask ourselves constantly, how is the culture seeping into us, shaping what we think is normal? We don't even know it. We want what we want and we don't even know why. And the gospel comes along and it challenges that. Repentance requires admitting our sin. You can't repent if you don't admit that the way you're going is wrong in the first place. And again, in the modern world, we want to overlook that. We just want to say, well, I just want to be better with Jesus. I just want to add things on in my life. No, we first have to admit the way we're going is wrong. Repentance requires sorrow for our sin. Not just sorry that we're caught or sorry that there are consequences, but sorry that we are grieving our Creator and our Savior. Repentance also requires turning from our sin. That's what we call conversion. It's turning away from our way, turning to Jesus' way, and this is what leads us into following Jesus. This is why Matthew links repentance in verse 17 with following Jesus just a few verses later. So following starts with repentance. And then following requires faith. We have to know who Jesus is in order to believe in him. We have to know something. I'm not saying exhaustively. I'm not saying you have to have Jesus all figured out before you can follow him. You'll never follow at that rate. But we need to know who he is and what he's done. That's the the understanding of the gospel then we need to believe in who he is. Not just believing things about him, but believing him and trusting him so that we will indeed follow. True faith. A faith that says, I know Jesus, I know the gospel. I trust in Jesus. True faith, I believe, according to the gospels, will result in following. It has to. They're linked together. You know, there's an interesting passage in John chapter 6 where Jesus is saying some very hard things, as he had a tendency to do, and the crowds are freaking out, and they're walking away. 
right? It's, it's like being in a church service. They all just get up and walk out because they don't like it anymore. Don't do that. And, and so the crowds are walking away and Jesus looks at his 12 apostles and he asks them very pointedly, are you going to leave too? It's like, what about you? It's, and it's not like, a, oh, I hope you stay. It's more of a challenge. What do you think? What are you going to do? And Peter says something profound. In John chapter 6, verses 68 to 69, Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and to know that you are the Holy One of God. I love that opening there. To whom shall we go? It's kind of like, you know, Jesus, if somebody else came along and it wasn't so hard and I could follow them, maybe I would do that. But I am not following for what makes me happy. I am not following for what makes me comfortable. Why is Peter following Jesus? You have the words of eternal life. And Peter's saying, I'm not judging whether or not to follow you if it makes me happy or if it makes me feel good. I'm judging whether or not to follow you based on whether or not you are speaking the words of eternal life. See, Peter's trusting in Jesus. I pray that we would have the same kind of faith to follow no matter what. So we see following starts with repentance turning away from ourself and our way of going. Following continues with faith, but then we must also accept, and I know this is one of those duh moments, following means, you with me? Following. Following means following. There's not some cryptic thing here that we can explain away, oh, as long as you just believe. No, following means to actually follow Jesus. Notice how they respond. In verses 4, 19 through 20, Jesus says, Come, follow me. And he says, I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. Now imagine these men fishing. And they say to him, Oh, yeah, Jesus, we're going to follow you. We totally believe in you. We are absolutely going to follow you. And then they just kept on fishing. Are they following Jesus? No. It's pretty obvious, isn't it? Why is it today as Christians we try to explain that away in our own lives? Oh yeah, I believe in Jesus. I'm a follower of Jesus. Are you? Are we living according to what Jesus says? Or are we just doing what seems natural and right in our own eyes? In that world... We have to understand what discipleship is. There was a concept of the dust of the rabbi. And it was this idea that the role of the disciple was to follow the rabbi so closely, literally to mimic the rabbi. How the rabbi would eat is how the disciple would learn to eat. How the rabbi would walk is how the disciple would walk. And this idea of the dust of the rabbi, that the disciple was to be covered in the dust of the rabbi, because as you walked... They wore, uh, you know, kind of like flip-flops. They had a better word. Sandals. They wore sandals. <laughs> they were just flip-flops. <laughs> but same principle applies, right? What happens when you walk close to somebody that's wearing flip-flops or sandals? Well, especially on a beach, right? That little part that sticks behind and then flips up all of a sudden, it grabs a little bit of sand or dust or dirt with it. And where does it go? Pfft, right behind you. 
So if you're walking behind them, what are you getting covered with? You see where this is going? The disciple was to be covered in the dust of the rabbi. They were to walk so closely behind the rabbi, so near to who the rabbi was, to be so much like the rabbi that the dust of the rabbi would cover them. They understood this. Jesus came to them as he comes to us and calls us to follow. And that's profound because you know how you became a disciple of of a prominent rabbi, a teacher in that day? You would go to the rabbi. I want to follow you. You would kind of apply. It's kind of like applying for college or something. I, I want to get into your group and follow you. These guys weren't trying any of that. It's almost like they were like, well, we're just fishermen. That's just what we're going to be. And Jesus, the greatest rabbi ever, comes along and says, you, 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 and you, let's go. And he looks at each one of us and he says, I know who you are. I know what you think about yourself. I know your struggles. Come on. Come with me. I'm going to show you who you really are as you understand who I really am. Come follow me. And over the next few weeks, we're going to look at Matthew 5 through 7 in the Sermon on the Mount. You want to know what it looks like to live covered in the dust of the rabbi, to follow Jesus so closely that our life depicts his life? It's there. And it's going to make us really uncomfortable. Jesus says, this is who I am throughout the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus called to his first disciples and he said, follow me. And that's the call of Christianity still today. Come on, follow Jesus. Follow him. Go where he's going. But following Jesus leads us on a journey. A new way of living. We've we've repented. We've gone from going our own way to now going the way of Jesus. What does this new path look like? I love another interaction in John. It's in John chapter 1. This guy, Philip, is called to follow Jesus, and he right away does what I wish was more natural for us. He goes and he finds a friend. I met this guy, Jesus. Come on, I just want you to hear about him. And Nathaniel's like Mr. Scholar. His friend Nathaniel has all these questions and all these doubts, which is good, okay? Thinking is good. But Nathaniel's just kind of sitting there judging. And he asked this question, can anything good come out of Nazareth? And in John chapter 1, verse 46, I love the way Philip answers. He doesn't sit down and try to disprove all of Nathaniel's arguments. What does Philip say to Nathaniel? He says, come and see. What did these guys see as they followed Jesus? Think about how amazing it was. It's like Philip is saying, come on, bring your questions. Bring your doubts. Bring your stubbornness. But come on and follow Jesus. Come and see who he is and what he's done. What is it that Philip would see? Or that Nathaniel would see? That the disciples would see? What is it we see as we follow Jesus? We see amazing faithfulness and power. Think about the miracles they witnessed. We have some right here in Matthew toward the end of the chapter we're looking at. We see sickness and disease being healed. We see demons being cast out. We see paralyzed being healed. Those having seizures being healed. Think about the miracles they saw. 
the power of Jesus at work. We have so many questions about Jesus. Who he is and why we should trust him. And I think so many people get stuck in their questions and they never get them answered because the answer to our questions are found along the way of following Jesus. But we stop and we say, no, I need to figure this out first. And Jesus says to us, come on, follow me. Think about the teaching they heard. Jesus doesn't want ignorant followers. Christianity is not a brainless religion. He teaches hard things that he wants us to learn and he wants us to think about. That's why Matthew records so many lengthy sections of Jesus' teaching. Because Jesus' teaching and our relationship, our following of Jesus, go hand in hand. So along the way, they witnessed and heard teaching. Along the way of following Jesus, they also witnessed and experienced suffering. The path of discipleship is often a path of suffering. The disciples would not have it easy. Just as Jesus would suffer, he said, so you too will suffer. And this is where so many of the crowds walked away. We came for the good times and now it's not so good, so I'm out of here. And Jesus says, come on, follow me. path of discipleship is a path of purpose. Look at Matthew 28, 18 through 20 again. Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go, and, and I've said this before and you've probably heard this other places, that phrase, therefore go, is literally in Greek, as you are going. And if I could maybe change the language a little bit, it's as you are following Jesus. This is what happens as we are living as followers of Jesus along the way. We are going to make disciples. Other people want to follow when they see you and they see me following Jesus. Our mission depends on following Jesus. This is the path of of discipleship, following Jesus and calling others to come and see who Jesus is path of discipleship is not easy. But I think these men, toward the end of their life, and especially in glory and eternity, would say, it is so worth it. I think this is why Peter would say, where else can we go? You have the words of eternal life. So we're faced with two paths. Our own path that we can follow the way that seems right to us that makes sense. And then we have the path of following Jesus. There's a stern warning in Matthew that Jesus says, enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. This is why we must follow Jesus. Because Jesus peels back the veneer of this world and he says, this is where your path ends. This is where it leads. Going our own way, doing our own thing, doing what makes sense in this world, what makes sense to our culture, is a path that leads in destruction. Following Jesus is the path of life. The wide way is easy. It's comfortable. Might get us what we desire. But the end is only destruction.
Friends, if you remember nothing else that I've said today, I want you to remember this. Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, God with us, is calling to each one of us, follow me. What about COVID? What about race relationships? Follow me. What about my finances? What about my family? Follow me. Put one foot in front of the other, trusting Jesus Christ, living who he is, and follow him. We don't have to sit there and say, but Jesus, if you would have done this, we would have gotten there so much faster. This is the way we would go. And he looks at us and goes, you know I know what I'm doing, right? Are we? Will you? Follow Jesus. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, it's easy to discuss these things as ideas, a subject for a sermon. It's easy to sing about them in songs. It's easy to talk about or to even feel that we believe them and we hold on to them in our hearts. But God, I pray that we would be people as well that follow. That our steps throughout Monday through Saturday would mirror the steps of faith we take on Sunday morning. That we wouldn't just be followers of Jesus for an hour or two each week or a few moments of prayer and Bible study each day. But God, every thought, every action, every attitude in line with following our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Because I think this world desperately needs to, and I think even wants to see a different way. And you have put us here to demonstrate that to them. And so I pray, Father, raise us up as followers of your Son, Jesus Christ. May we gather together with other followers of Jesus Christ to demonstrate the power of the gospel at work in us and at work in this world so that as we follow you, we can call to others and say, come, come and see who my Jesus is. Come and be a follower of Jesus as well. We pray this in the power of the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.